to the Pracademics podcast, where we aim to keep you informed, connected and inspired by translating academic research into the real world to help you in your work with children, young people and families. This podcast will be recorded on the land traditionally owned by the Turrbal and Jugarup nations, as well as the Yugambeh peoples. So we pay our respect to the traditional owners of these lands, as well as the emerging community leaders around Australia. Hello, I am Chelsea Leach and I'll be your host today. I'll be keeping you informed with an article by an Australian researcher, India Bryce. So full disclosure at this point, we are lucky enough to have India Bryce as one of our board members for Pracademics and she brings a wealth of information to the board around child protection issues And the article that we'll be looking at today is a review of cumulative harm, a comparison of international child protection practices. So it was published in Children Australia in 2018. If you'd like to look at it, the details are available in our show notes. So we had a podcast recently where we looked at the neurobiological impacts of trauma, and they really drilled down into the different types of trauma in order to identify how different maltreatment experiences of different ages may have differential impacts on brain areas and functioning. But one thing that the article did not look at is this idea of cumulative harm. So we thought it was important to follow that up with a discussion of cumulative harm as a concept. And India Bryce has written a beautiful paper on that. So as a starting point, we need a definition of cumulative harm. So according to Bryce, cumulative harm is the result of a series or pattern of harmful events and experiences. And the key word there is that it's the result of those experiences. It's not the experiences in and of themselves. So the events may be historical or they may be ongoing and they are often repeated or interrelated in themselves. And it's particularly problematic when the harmful events are at critical periods of development, which is consistent with the article we were talking about with regards to the neurobiological impact of trauma in that different times of brain development, if there's stress or trauma that's experienced during that time, then it will have a larger impact on the area of the brain that is going through that critical stage of development. And so this is true for cumulative harm as well. So an interesting point about cumulative harm is that it's not just the events themselves that are stressful, but it is also the anticipatory stress and fear of the events happening again that can cause the harm. And this is particularly problematic when a child is under the age of five years that we can really see this impact of the stress. So some of the early developmental effects that are unsurprising and some of this information is taken from the ACEs study, which gives us a really good public health insight into impacts of trauma and stress. Some of the developmental effects include hypervigilance, nightmares, hyperarousal, disrupted brain development, problematic parent-child attachment. And this is particularly an issue where the attachment figure is also the source of harm for the child. So this is probably not new for a lot of you, but some of the effects of cumulative harm may not occur until long after the harm has ceased. So during adolescence or adulthood. So adolescent manifestation of cumulative trauma can include internalizing disorders such as depression, or we may see externalizing disorders such as aggression and hyperactivity. It can also lead to early transition into adulthood, such as teen pregnancy, leaving school, 
befriending older peers and the like. And again, drawing from the ACES study, some of the really long-term developmental outcomes of cumulative harm may include things like physical and health problems, chronic pain, high-risk behaviors such as smoking, drinking alcohol, or risky sex practices, as well as mental health issues and higher suicide rates. So it's pretty bleak, but the question is, what are we doing about it? The reality is we're not doing a great job at addressing cumulative harm within Australia. And one of the reasons for that is the way that our legislation is set up. So Bryce argues that our legislation is set up that there must be an act that causes serious harm that can be identified or indicated at the time that the child is experiencing it. And it's not taking into account the fact that smaller repeated incidents of abuse can create cumulative harm that might not manifest until further down the track. However, our current legislation doesn't allow an intervention response at that point. There is some increasing recognition of cumulative harm in legislation and the need to consider multiple notification of maltreatment rather than just considering each individual episode of harm. But Bryce questions how well this is actually implemented into practice. Conversely, on an international level, there's more research around complex trauma to capture the outcome of ongoing childhood trauma or repeated experiences of trauma. But again, there's little research into how child protection responses address this issue of complex trauma. Of the research that does exist, there seems to be two broad approaches to child protection. So the first approach is having a child protection focus, which is what we have in Australia. And the other approach is a more family service focus. So in Australia, child protection focuses on abuse as an act and the severity of the abuse is based on the amount of harm caused and the assessment focuses on the risk to the child of that level of harm happening again within the family home. So it's very focused on risk to the child and the harm that's occurring that is able to be identified at the time of the abuse. On the flip side, where there's a family service focus, recognizes that abuse is reflective of family dysfunction more broadly and the assessment needs to focus broadly on the family's need rather than focus specifically on the risk to an individual child. So Bryce argues that by focusing on the broader family dysfunction, then you can facilitate detection of chronic maltreatment issues that can lead to cumulative harm in the future. This also facilitates a public health model, which considers prevention of abuse and neglect within the family. Rather than focusing on abuse and neglect that may have happened in the past, it's focusing on preventing the abuse and neglect that may happen within the family unit moving forward. Now, we have previously put out a podcast called Why I Hate ACEs, and I talked about really the application of ACEs to any kind of diagnosis or intervention with individual children. But this is a really good example of where ACEs has been very helpful, and it's really helped us identify the impacts of cumulative harm well down the track that may actually manifest much later in life. And the argument that Bryce is putting up is if we continue to have a risk-focused, child-focused intervention process within the child protection system solely, then we will be missing the impact of cumulative harm that may be happening for other children where the immediate impact is less severe, but down the track there's some serious consequences. So the argument is that we need to have a more family-focused response that focuses on the needs of the family. So Bryce says that there is a third option, an emerging child focus orientation, where the object of the concern is the child's well-being and development rather than just the risk to the child. So she argues that the focus on the child needs 
and their needs for well-being and development would push the child protection system to move from focusing on was there an act and did it cause harm and that meaning there is risk towards is there an act and is there a potential for harm in the future and then this would identify where there's a need within that family and for that child and by doing this Bryce argues that this would acknowledge that the consequences of cumulative harm are not always observed at the time that the episode occurs so where the legislation is requiring that an act has occurred and there has also been significant harm to the child there is a unstated temporal limit on when the harm can be observed. However, Bryce is arguing that if there is a series of acts, then the impact of that cumulative harm may manifest well into the future, but there's not a sufficient level of harm to intervene and provide the family with the support that they need now to mitigate the impact of that down the track. So according to Bryce, the answer is to have a model that focuses on the needs of the family, as well as focusing on the child's well-being and development rather than just the risk. And this is consistent with the move more broadly across the sector. So in Queensland, we have a service called Family and Children Connect that is focused on providing families with intervention prior to entering the child protection system and supporting the families in a more holistic manner with intensive family support services as well as case management and referral to address all the different needs of the family that may be contributing to the risk that the child may experience down the track. In a similar way, the push with child safe organisations that's come off the back of the Royal Commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse really emphasises the importance of child wellbeing and development that goes beyond just protecting children from harm, but actually moving towards actively promoting their wellbeing and development. So these things all sit together and I think it's important that we bear in mind the impacts of cumulative harm for the young people that we're working with as well as when we may be working with adults that have these histories and understanding a little bit more around what's happened for them. Finally, I think the article highlights that perhaps the system that we've got can be built upon and we need to move beyond just focusing purely on risk to the child and intervention to remove the child from the family towards working more holistically with the family around what their family-based needs are. So thank you for listening to the Pracademics podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, leave a comment, leave a rating and help drive the algorithm so that other people can be informed, connected and inspired in their work with children and young people or recommend it to a colleague that you think might enjoy it as well. And credit to our in-house Pracademics composer, Matt Schrader, for supplying the music. <laughs>